Hi there, I'm Lisa, and welcome to the History Mysteries podcast, where each week I'll be taking a deep dive and researching a history mystery. And with the help of my fabulous guest, we will see if we can separate fact from fiction. Hi, everyone. Before I start, I am so sorry about how long it's been between episodes. A combination of a crazy heatwave here in the UK, Jim drowning under work and me being improved trainers and aerial yoga instructor. And on top of that, two days ago, we tried to record this and found that we'd lost half of it due to the cable from Jim's microphone having broken. So, Guilty. Guilty yeah. as charged. <laughs> yeah. It should have been sooner. It's not. We're sorry. But we're here now. Yay! Also, a huge thanks to our friend TJ, who is going to take on the editing of this episode. So thank you so much for that. It really, really helps us. So, in today's episode, the next part after the part before, so we're saying part two, episode 3B, 3.2. Yeah, 3B, 3B. Today is the search and, uh, spoiler alert, not rescue time for the Diatlov group. It's pretty dry, but then again, a lot of historical facts are quite dry, so... Yeah, well that's the point, isn't it? That's the whole point. After that, though, I'm going to be bombarding Jim with some of the greatest hits of theories. Fun times ahead. Love some stupid theories. So the last time we left off, uh, the Dyatlov group had just made camp. They'd built a cache in which they stored 19 items of food, some medical supplies, Dyatlov's warm outer boots, plus one pair of ski boots, a mandolin, a set of batteries, a lamp, and some mountaineering gear. So the mandolin seems quite random. The mandolin is obviously insanely important. Okay, I will I will firmly lodge it in my brain. Okay, in no way am I picturing the Diatlov group as being very much like we were at university, where some guy always used to turn up with his guitar to every event that I we went. I feel personally... Obviously not talking about you, my love, so talking about him. There was a cash set up so that they could get supplies on their way back, yep. and they didn't have to, I suppose, take all the weight up the mountain. So they left the things that weren't necessary. Yeah, Apparently yeah, they mean, didn't think the mandolin was necessary for that why bring it? <laughs> but the cash wouldn't be found until the 2nd of March. And so they made the cash on the 1st of February, okay. we know now. And so it wasn't until a month later that it was found. On the 1st of February, they set their tent up on the slope just 10 miles from the top of the peak. By the 11th of February, some of the courses at the UPI had already started, and hikers were returning from their various tracks. One group stated that temperatures had dropped to minus 50 degrees Celsius. chilly. Yes. Minus 58 Fahrenheit. Yes, that is chilly. I don't... I've been to Iceland and I don't think it was that in winter and I don't think it oh, got no, that no. cold. No, that, that, that is super cold. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the group was due to have telegrammed from Vijay on the 12th of February, no alarm bells started to ring because they'd been told about the harsh conditions and it had been decided by everybody that a more realistic arrival date was going to be the 16th of February. Mm-hmm. The first family member to voice concerns and to actually contact the hiking club was the father of Rustam. However, he was told that he shouldn't worry because the group had likely just been delayed. On February the 18th, though, an official committee meeting requesting a search was held after increasing pressure from the families of the group because their kids hadn't arrived. Kids are somewhere in the Urals. The kids are somewhere in the Urals and they've not come home. A little bit of a worry. No, no, don't worry. Don't worry, guys. I'm sure they're absolutely fine. fine. No, no, you don't worry your your little head about all of this. No, seriously, let's worry now, please. During a call to Vijay, the UPI chairman was told that a local group was preparing to do a search, but someone had actually seen a group of hikers recently. This was assumed to be the Dyatlov group and that they were okay. A call was even made at this point to the parents of Dubininia, telling them that there was no reason for them to worry. Brilliant. We're sure that they're absolutely fine. When you assume, you make an ass of yourself, or whatever the phrase is. 
I was I thought you were actually going to do some kind of like bit of a comedy skit there but no you kind of did the actual thing yeah <laughs> the parents now had no choice but to get the authorities involved and after much toing and froing it was decided that an airborne search group would fly to Iftel and the UPI hiking club would organize a ground search just as a little aside the UPI ground search was mostly populated by students okay so there was supposed to be there were exams going on after winter break and these students who had come back from hiking and you were part of the hiking club were told that if they went on this search and rescue i'll see where this is going they wouldn't have to sit their exams or they'd basically get a free pass on some of the so you're really gonna get you're gonna get the cream of the crop that around here yeah (laughs) The only people who are going to actually be allowed to go are going to be very ex- still very experienced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not like going for a, a ramble in the Lake District, and that's not to do that down because people can get in serious trouble in the UK uplands. Yeah, they but can. But this is the Urals in mm-hmm. the in winter. Yeah. I mean, like, this is the this is, this is Siberia. It's all where they send magnitude people, above. Yeah, this is where they send people to die. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I don't think it is Siberia. It is, isn't it? The Urals? No, it's central Russia. We're going to have to Google where Siberia is I think now. that's all part of the Siberian Peninsula, isn't it? No. I love this. Jim's Googling. Vast Russian province encompassing most of Asia. Have you just typed in, are the Urals part of Siberia? I No, I will do that now. Uh, well, I... I mean, the Urals separate Europe from Asia, don't they? I I barely know where things are in the UK. Never mind anything else. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Some people are claiming that Siberia abuts the eastern edge of the Ural Mountains. Which is where they were. They're in the Urals. So I think they are, at best, right on the edge of... On the cusp. On the cusp of Siberia. Okay, well, fine. Okay. At this point, they discovered that they didn't actually have the Dyatlov group route plan, which they should have done. That's quite a bungle. It is a bungle. Dyatlov should have actually dropped it off. One oh, copy... it was Dyatlov who didn't. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, oh. um, instead of him taking just one copy for the group, because there were three, there's three copies of the mm-hmm. route, one should have been logged with the routing commission and one should have been held by the UPI sports club. He apparently had all three copies. I don't want to dunk too hard on the poor guy because, as we've said, Urals, winter, not not pleasant, but that's like rule one of leading even quite like what are considered safe expeditions is make sure your route plan's sorted and it's given to the right people. Yeah. Something that I did read, something that I did read, goodness me, something that I read said that it's it's possible and theorised. Now, I don't want to get into theorisations before we get to actually the theory part, but some people have said that it's most likely that Dyatlov kept the actual route plan because the route was going to take longer than he'd originally asked for. And so the UPI hiking club thought that he was going to be back in time. They were going to be back by like the 6th or the 7th in time for the start of term. But then he realised it was going to be after. So he kind of didn't hand them in because he he didn't want to, well, he he didn't want to break the rules. Right. Okay. He was already breaking the rules and he just didn't want anyone to know who was breaking the rules. I'm, I mean, I might be making really horribly spurious, like, yeah, assumptions okay. about Dyatlov here and his reasoning for this, but well, let's, that's let's, one of okay, the fine. that's there's there's. Let's not go was, too hard on the poor. No, guy. I was going to say he, we've got to remember all time that this is an experienced hiker. Yeah, this is an yeah, experienced okay. guy who has led lots of these before. He's been on lots of hiking trips, and so he knows the plan, and he's never done this before. So oh, there okay. is. Obviously, some reason that he has not handed in this route plan, which is totally against his, like against time. Basically. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's 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 against what he would normally do. It's poor practice, but it's nitpicking in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So let's let's yeah. just so we can yeah, fine. Yeah, 
it seemed it's an easy thing to kind of get hung up on but yeah but anyway, it does cause some problems. <laughs> it does cause a few little issues. Just a few. Just one or two, because the rolls are pretty big. <laughs> so hard facts. You come here for the hard facts. Yours big. <laughs> Your rolls pretty big. Um, so they knew that they were starting off from VJ, but then what? You know, how, where were they going? Yes, they've got the sort of start point. They've got the middle point and the end point, which is back at VJ, but. Whereas, yeah, there's going to be umpteen different routes, isn't there? Or are they even going to be routes? Is it just going to be tra- Is it just going to be cross country trekking? Well, cross- as as we know from part one, they they had to do a lot of like trail breaking themselves, didn't they? Well, yeah, and also you've got to, it's not going to be again. Don't know much about the about winter in the Urals, but I would imagine that quite a lot of it was going to be through route planning, map reading, because. You're on. You're in a snow. You just got snow. It's snow. Mm. How many times, guys? Like just like shrug and go. It's just snow. I'm, I'm just. I'm. I'm just letting you go. Yeah. Just no. seeing how many times it's, you can say snow. It's snow, rocks, and some trees. I can't imagine that it's going to be very much. It's not going to be like we'll follow the path with a nice little arrows. Yeah. Yeah. We. We. It's going to be go left yeah. at the cedar. We. We go can't. Right at the yeah, pine. We can't assume a 2020s. UK perspective on this. Yeah. This isn't. There's no GPS. This and... isn't a ramble out from ramble out in the Lake District and then back to Keswick for tea and scones, is it? Scones. 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 I think we better move on. Move on very fast here. Anyway, we just mentioned about there being no map, and so the map had to be drawn by the knowledge of family members, and that was what they were working with. Right. Okay. So, bad start. On the 25th, a message came that some Mansi hunters had discovered the group's campsite, and so a search party moved to follow the tracks of the Dyatlov group, and the Mansi hunters were sent along the Ural Ridge. There's an awful lot of red tape to read through, which makes you feel as though movement of this search really was glacial. Bearing in mind that they were aware of how dreadful the conditions had been, this is still two full weeks since they were actually due to return and they're still debating at every single point. And you would hope, or certainly, I don't know, certainly I would have hoped that they maybe would have kind of rallied the troops a little bit quicker because they need to try and rescue these children. Well, yeah. they're not children, I young mean, adults. I, for one, am shocked that there was uh, obstructive bureaucracy in the USSR in the late 50s. <laughs> yeah, we have only just come out of... We're only uh, five years after Stalin, aren't we? Stalin, so, yeah. yeah. So they're probably still getting their... Still finding their feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A little bit. Um, but anyway, finally, in the evening of the 26th of February, the search headquarters at the UPI Labour Union Committee received word. Found the tent. There are no people. A search group skied to a height of 1079 metres and about 50 metres to the left of the pathway that they were following, mm. they noticed something. Dun, dun, dun. The tent. The tent. The right. tent. <laughs> Now, bear with me here because we're going to have to work theatre of the mind because I can't show you all of the photos, Mm -hmm. um, the crime scene photos, but I promise that this will help you with the multitude of theories that we're going to be going through I will pay attention. Okay. So the tent was snowed up, except for the entrance, which was peeping out of the snow, and the canvas was covered in hard snow, 15 to 20 centimetres, which is six to eight inches bang on deep an ice axe and a torch um everything i've read says flashlight but i'm british so So torch torch um were found so that basically if you're listening to this if i say torch i mean it's a flashlight okay (laughs) there we go um the torch was on the top of the tent by the entrance and the snow was underneath the torch and the ice axe but there was hardly any snow on top okay can remember how long this has been so i mean at this point they think it's been two weeks but we know from like from 
all the evidence that we have that it's it's nearly a month now since month. this tent was this tent was left. Yes. Okay. And so there's been hardly any snow. There's in there's the very month, little snowfall on top of the items. Yeah. So it, gotcha. it's likely it's been you know it's probably been blown, like dust snow. It's probably been blown yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. But it's not sort of hard compacted snow. No. Below, to the east of the tent, there was a seven metre wide section of snow, which looked lower as though it had been flattened. Okay, flattened by... Hello, theories! All right, okay, let's... I'm assuming, but there's, it's just like, there, there we go, that's something. And then I imagine that that's something that has been latched onto, but, you know, not giving away any spoilers. No, okay, right, I'll put a pin in the flattened section of snow. Yeah, fine. Details are sketchy at best as to the procedures of the search party, but later it was stated that a groove was dug alongside the tent as well as some of the snow removed from it so that they could check inside. Fair. Found inside the tent was an ice axe, a torch, a storm jacket, cameras, a flask of booze, and bedding and clothes and so okay. forth. But no mandolin. No, because that's in the cash. Well, keep up. That in the cash for the party when they get back. Yes, keep up. So they can all sit around the campfire and really have a good old <laughs> nanny. Or just get really annoyed with the guy who's brought a mandolin on a on an expedition. Oh, we never got the bitterness in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> From the accounts of the search party, there were eight to nine tracks of footprints left by the hikers wearing almost no footwear. Weird. The, the footprints showed that they were walking in single file, with a tall man bringing up the rear as his footprints partially covered those of the footprints in front. The impression from the prints is one of an organised and uneventful descent down the slope of the mountain. Except in, in socks or bare feet. Well, that's, yeah. Which is rum. It is rum indeed. Several trails do deviate away, away slightly at points, but then rejoin the group. Other footprints were also discovered and photographed. And, I don't know, who, who do these belong to? It's probably one of the UPI high, like, hiking is, yeah, kids yeah. just kind of like mooching around. It's like, you haven't walked over there, have you, Bob? No, me? <laughs> of course they have. <laughs> what, yeah. trumpling all over the crime scene? Yeah, it's... Uh... They weren't expecting it to be a crime well, scene, though. Well, yeah, this is, this, is, this is something, isn't it, in that you've got... Yeah, you've got a bunch of students who didn't want to take their exams... I mean, I make. I'm. I'm being. Maybe yeah, okay. a lot of. Maybe a lot of them were genuinely worried. Yeah. And yeah, wanted to kind of be a part of rescuing this party of of their friends, of their, their friends, yeah, their friends and, and their colleagues, colleagues and their peers. Yeah. However. But you've. You've okay, got. You're you've, gonna have. You're gonna have. You're gonna a have cop, the odd chance. Though. You're gonna have the odd chance. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody looks very knowing, and he's probably got a mandolin on his back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing my mandolin in case they haven't got theirs. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, but yeah. So you go. It is. It's. It's a group of still experienced mountaineers and the Mansi you know, hunters. The, the Mansi, the, the, so the, the indigenous, indigenous, indigenous people, indigenous to this um, environment and these conditions. Um, so they should know what they're looking at. They should be able to understand footprints, uh, tracking things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but as you say, they. They're not going at this as if it's like, if, as if they're CSI, as if it's forensic yeah. analysis of They're a not there scene. putting their kind of their glasses on and making party, some kind yeah. of like pun, are they? Yeah, yeah. So, so with that in mind, probably the information we've got is actually really quite good. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it, it kind of occurs to me, the thought I was having was that. It's sort of like in this perfect zone of conspiracy theory. That's what it feels like so far. Because there's just enough information to give you lots and lots of scope for speculating. If there'd been if there'd been more information, then it wouldn't be a mystery. We'd know what happened. 
if it had been done forensically and with yeah, they, they just and they know they would have figured it out and it wouldn't still yeah, be. it wouldn't still be something if there'd been almost no information recorded, uh, then we probably wouldn't even be talking about it. It wouldn't be a thing. Well, it would just be some people went missing and died in the mountains in the winter in the Urals. Well, I wonder what happened. Oh, they froze. Well, to that's death. it. People wouldn't be talking about it because they wouldn't have found all of this kind of random and yeah, this, all of this information that just gives you enough. There's just enough weird information yeah. for it to be a real... Oh, it gets weirder. A real holy grail for conspiracy oh, theories. Oh, yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy some more. Brilliant. Enjoy what's coming. I've got some testimonies here from the criminal case files. There were lots of quotes from radiograms that were actually sent at the time, and I've just chosen three which I give, I think give a good picture of what was found and so what the people who were part of the search party radiogrammed back to say this is what we've discovered. So, quote. We managed to identify footprints of eight or nine people starting from the tent and going about one kilometre down the slope and then they were lost. One person was in boots and the others were only in socks and barefoot. Second quote. There were no footprints right around the tent because when the Dietlov group dug, they had stacked the snow all around and later the snow was drifted by the wind, thus covering all the tracks. But 30 or 40 metres down, there was a file of very well-preserved footprints. And the third quote, Footprints can be preserved in the mountains because of the way the wind works there. You see the prints, not as lowered imprints, but rather as raised columns, because the snow under the prints is left compacted and cannot be eroded by the wind, but the area around it is scoured by the wind. Then the sunrise makes the print area become even firmer, and in this way it can be preserved for the entire winter. These guys knew what they, they were doing. What they were doing. They yeah. knew that, their stuff. That's so cool. I, I've actually seen that in action in like winter walking in the in the UK but it hadn't occurred to me in this case of course that's what happens stuff gets compressed compacted and hardens mm -hmm. and you do you end up with these like upstanding like footprint sculptures yeah it's so cool and yeah of course it would be so yeah they they know what they're looking for they can interpret it well and it, it's it's good quality information it's very good quality information facts almost ah <laughs> On the 27th of February, a different group of searchers came upon the first bodies, the bodies of Yuri Doroshenko, Yuri Krivonoshenko, Igor Dyatlov, and Zinaida Kolmogorova. Zinaida Kolmogorova. No, that's totally different to what I just said that before. Kolmogorova. 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 Okay. I can't see it, so I'm not going to even attempt to correct you. That's fine. Um, okay, so in this section, I've actually been through the autopsy reports, the translations. Because that's a fun way to spend your weekend. Oh, it really is. Um, I've gone through the autopsy reports, so I've looked at the crime scene photos, the... I don't even know what you would call it, like the little kind of out, little jewelry outlines of bodies front and back with little like red circles around that says where there were bruises and abrasions That's and breaks. That's part of the autopsy and... report. I know, thing, but I don't know it? what the little like there's a like look the little picture of the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen those as well as part of the autopsy report. Okay. Yeah. You can find these reports if you want to go and take a look at them if you understand medical terminology far more than I do. I have done my very best here to give you a nice translation and a nice summary. I said nice. A summary of what was actually written rather than giving you entire pages of quotes. So you've been looking at Russian autopsy reports. I've been looking at Russian autop translations of Russian autopsy okay, yeah, reports. I didn't know that your Russian was... My Russian, as you can yeah. tell by my pronunciation of the names, is pretty spectacular. Like a Euralese native. Absolutely. I'm not going to go into what all of them were wearing, because generally speaking, to summarise, most of them were wearing odd socks, Sometimes maybe two socks on one foot, three socks on another foot, 
one foot was bare, there were three socks on one, somebody was wearing somebody else's socks. It was all a bit kind of, it's all a bit... It's a sock mess. <laughs> a socky mess. Yes. They were not in pairs in their drawers. <laughs> Jim's just hiding now behind the behind his little booth. Like, oh, I think he's, fe- he's feeling... I'm it. quite good at wrapping my socks up you in are, pairs. You are. He's feeling attacked. He's feeling attacked between the guitar and... Uh, and this. And uh, sock gate. <laughs> uh, they were wearing, plen- they were often wearing a number of jumpers. They were wearing kind of swim shorts and then pants and then trousers. Though there was, I was having one of those things as well where I was reading the translations and they were talking about pants. And I was like, do you mean, do they American mean, pants do you mean or... American pants or do you mean our pants? Or were they just walking around in their grundies? I had I and I was yeah. just assuming therefore at that point that we're talking like like some shorts and underwear and like long johns yeah type thing you and would in the mountains in winter in winter I'm that's what I'm assuming that they've got I've got thermal long johns that they've for got winter some walking. that most that quite a few of them have got thermals on yeah but then I don't think any of them was found wearing a coat. Weird. Oh no, maybe one of them. Maybe one of them was wearing a coat. I'm still weird. Still weird. But out of all of them, they were just wearing jumpers, and not even their own jumpers. What went on? No. Well, here we go. Also, remember socks, no shoes. Socks, no shoes. So the autopsies of these four were performed on the fourth of March, and here is the information that we have. A little thing again as well about the autopsy reports most of them have very have a lot of the same information about what was found if there was something if there's something very specific or something a little bit different unusual um then that you wouldn't get if you basically just froze into earth in the mountains then i will say but the general consensus is they all had information of the brain and spinal cord something called um, Wyshniewski lesions Wyshniewski people who know Wyshniewski people who know things about medical things I'm sure you uh, I don't know I don't know I'm just my, my brain now hurts anyway what that is they're black spots in the gastric mucosa and they're found in hypothermia victims it's a very common oh, okay so yeah so it's, it's a common symptom or or a uh, thing that appears it's a common within, thing yeah. that appears after there has been sort of freezing gotcha. are you looking at i'm looking i'm looking up the word now yeah okay well whilst you're doing that man who googles they also had a lot of lesions or abrasions from falls bumps scuffs and so on, and generally speaking, frostbite and or burns. Gotcha. Sometimes both. I mean, that all seems pretty... Pretty standard. Yeah. For... Freezing d- to death. For, for dying out in, the, <laughs> out in the Urals. The examination results of the body belonging to Yuri Doroshenko. The quotes are, We believe that the death occurred as the result of low temperature exposure. Death is violent and accidental. That's... A very, very quick summary of yeah, like okay. a seven-page report. Krivonoshenko. We think that the death of Krivonoshenko was the result of the action of low temperature stroke freezing. Reasonable. Death was violent and accidental. Signs on both Doroshenko and Krivonoshenko's bodies are those of freezing to death. Um, there are also quite a few cut marks on their bodies and cuts on some of the clothing that they're currently wearing. And it seems as though, therefore, items of clothing were actually removed by their friends, sometimes maybe even cut off. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of a situation like this. You keep warm or you die. Yeah. If your friends have died... Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you take, uh... you know, there's nothing you can do for them. You take their clothing and you try and stay alive. Yeah, it's the socially acceptable face of cannibalism. Um, it would also explain the respectful care in where in the way that the bodies were laid, and explain the inconsistency of the positions the body were um, the bodies were found in compared to the liver mortis spots. 
Yeah. So it looks like they died and then they got turned and placed yeah. sort of nicely and some of their clothes taken. Also explains why some of them were wearing clothes that belonged to yeah, other members yeah, of the party. It, just, it, kind of, it makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. It feels like this is just solved. Dyatlov. Mm-hmm. We think Dyatlov died as a result of hypothermia freezing. Cause of death is by violence stroke accident. Yeah. Okay, so fine, yeah. Okay. Kolmogorova. She had a number of bruises, the largest of which was on her lower back towards the right side. 29 by 3 centimetres in size. Okay. Something long and thin. And when you look at the theories, and I will sort of spoiler this, there's an awful lot of talk about it being baton shaped, which kind of is feeding into some of the yeah the theories that we'll go into. But yeah, I mean it's, it, it's I mean yeah, but it's long, it's long and kind of it's it's, it's, it's long like, and thin. It's, it's yes, it is baton shaped. It's also tree branch shaped. It's yeah. also it's also know. sharp edge of rock shaped. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Okay. So to quote again. We feel that the death of Kolmogorova was the result of cool temperatures freezing. The cause of death was violent and accidental. Fine? Yeah, okay. Okay, so those are the those are the first four. And I haven't written this down, so I'm trying I'm I'm hoping that I'm not wrong about this, but I think that they were found by the remains of a fire by like a seed by a group of cedar trees. Okay. So they were closest to the tent, which mm-hmm. is why they were found first, I guess. Yeah, seems seems all seems legit. Okay. On the fifth of March, the fifth body was found, and that was Rustam, which is really sad because it was his dad who was yeah. the first person to actually raise the alarm and say, "Can we please go and try and look for my look for our kids? Yeah, and look for my son." And I had a, I had a hard time with that. I'll be honest. Oh. When I looked at that, I was like, "Oh no!" But if that maybe if they a week even though we know now that yeah, it wouldn't have made no, any no, difference. But if it had been if it had been a slightly different situation, they had still been alive, and we wouldn't yeah. be talking about it now. But you know, it's kind of it's counterfactual. Re- it's like counter. Is it counterfactual reasoning? That's a like the what, oh yeah, the like what the, ifs. The what ifs. The what yeah. ifs of history. Uh, yeah, and th- there's that that way lies madness. It do- it really does as well. It seems as though Rustam suffered severe skull trauma, and I'm going to be getting into the various theories of what caused this. Um, but I'm just going to give you the facts. Yes. Hard facts, facts for now. Facts, facts, facts. Um, there's all there's time for a hypothesis and theorizing later on. So to quote. I believe that the death of Slobodin was caused by the action of low temperature stroke freezing. The fracture of the left frontal lobe bone could have, occur- could have occurred during a fall by Slobodin or the impact of the head on a hard object such as rocks, ice, etc. A blunt object caused the above mentioned trauma. When this happened, it would have caused Slobodin to become stunned and allowed for his rapid freezing. The absence of explicit bleeding under the meninges allows for the assumption that Slobodin's death came as a result of the freezing. Taking into account these injuries, in the first hour after they happened, Slobodin was able to move and crawl. Slobodin's death was violent and accidental. Okay. The remaining four bodies of Ludmilla, Alexander, Nikolai and Semyon weren't discovered until two months later in May. Oh, bloody hell. Um, after the snow started melting. And they were discovered quite far down, quite near the river. Right. Um, and they were found in a den that they'd created. So we don't know exactly when they died. No. Um, the den, and I'm just calling it a den, kind of, uh, it's an ice... Dan. Yeah, yeah, like a nice hole that's been dug yeah. out. Yeah, was created by four members of the group, seventy to seventy-five meters from the cedar where the previous bodies have been found. So yeah, I had written it down that it was a it was a cedar. Thumbs up from Jim there. The den was in a ravine protected from cold winds and is a common way to survive winters and would have provided the best chance of survival. Yeah, these guys knew they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. 
at all points we have to keep on we have to remember that everything that they will have done they will have done knowing that the chance of hypothermia freezing all those was the most likely chance of death Uh and they wouldn't have they wouldn't have acted lightly yeah no absolutely not and so far everything looks like there's been some kind of accidents, mm-hmm. possibly rockfall, whatever, or a slip, or um, a piece of like cornicing giving way in a fall to some members of the it's party. Also, but bear in mind, it's not, it's a, just a snow slope. Yeah. It's um, a sort of a 15 degree angle snow slope, so it's actually not even steep. No, no, it's, but, but there's not. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, you can take a tumble, slide 10 meters down, and whack yourself on a rock and you're done in that sort of terrain even it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to you don't have to be in a boulder field at the bottom of a cliff no um autopsy reports also show that they had eat um they'd had their din they'd all had their dinner about six hours before right okay so we'll think so we're thinking that this kind of happened in the early hours of the morning um watchers one of their watchers was found stopped at eight o'clock in the morning and i think another one was stopped at five so i think they were talking around those kind of that kind of time probably from the autopsy as well fair enough i'm just just giving you facts yes (laughs) so bearing in mind that they were in this den in this ravine everything that they could have done they did branches were brought to stop um their bodies coming into too much contact with the snow Ludmilla was wearing the sweater and pants of Krivonoshenko and the bodies, however, were found not actually in the den, but a few feet from the shelter. So outside the den. Right, okay. Which is partly why they were found so much later because they had frozen over and dra- Yeah. No. It looks very much like they dra- some of them had dra- not drowned. They hadn't drowned, but there was water yeah, covering okay. them and then that water had frozen over and when the ice melted... Then we find that's the when they get yeah that's yeah. when that's that's reasonable that's fine okay it's also been recorded that all of those bodies those four had a large amount of damage to their bones as though they had been crushed by a huge force comparative to being hit at high speed by a car i mean that's kind of weird okay so ludmilla her tongue is recorded as missing and it's just recorded as missing so when i was looking at that i was like no no but tell me Tell me, give me, give me facts. Tell me, has it been, does it look like it's been chewed out by a predator? Does it look like it's been bitten off by her when, if she's had some kind of like jaw spasm? Yeah. Has it been cut with a knife? Like, tell me, tell me facts. Yeah. Tell me facts. Tell me sweet by little this, facts. by this point, it should be a forensic examination. Well, this by is By the a, standards of the time. This is a friend, this is a proper yeah. pathologist doing this. Yeah. So you should, we, I think we could... We could expect that they might have recorded that information. And this is another one of the things that li- that gives yeah, rise yeah. to the conspiracy, like the conspiracy thi- theory conspiracy. Goldilocks zone. Absolutely, yeah. because they say, "Well, why didn't they? Why isn't there more detailed information?" It's cover up. It's cover up. cover up. Absolutely, of course it is. Okay, so her tongue is recorded as missing. Impossible to determine the cause. Her eyes are also missing. And let's be honest, predators. Uh, yeah, I mean... You've got to go for the soft bits. Yeah, 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 Let's absolutely. Go for the, the, go for the soft spots. And you're and in that kind of... Again, I, I'm making huge jumps, so like assumptive jumps here, but I would think that your tongue would swell up and kind of stick out of your mouth a bit after death. I mean, and it can kind do. of like, almost like choking, kind of like... It can do, yeah, and it would after be... a certain amount of time, and then and that will be why it might. And it's not just, it's be just, ins- it's more insulated, being where it is. I mean, this is a grim conversation. This is really gross, isn't but it? But it is more insulated by being inside your mouth, even if your mouth is slightly open. So therefore, it does present more of a nummy treat for vultures, <laughs> etc. But there's no record, and you would think that in the pathologist's record, if some animal, if if there were animals eating eyes and tongues mm-hmm. all over the show in the urals. There's no no record of there being scratch marks, bite marks, claw mm. marks of pulling like the mouth open, peck marks around. There's none of that. It's almost, it's like, they're just missing. Yeah, spooky, but... Spooky, spooky, spooky. Exactly, yeah, it's the... 
And I think, I mean, the cynic in me just goes, we can just put that down to maybe a bit of a crap performance. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. What's more, he had, maybe he had loads to do that day and was just like, oh, for goodness sake, it's not yeah, another what's one. A slightly slapdash pathology report, or and perhaps including the assumption on the part of the pathologist that bodies that are found frozen in the Urals often have soft tissue missing from predators, so didn't write it down. Yeah. Because he assumed that anyone who reads this report afterwards and sees eyes and tongue missing will just know. Yeah. That, okay, well, that's that's what happened there. I mean, is that the case? Yeah, that, that seems see, more likely to me than anything that seems, more weird. That seems, that seems like the most likely thing to me. But then again, we are cynical historians. We are. <laughs> Ribs, two, three, four and five, were broken on both sides, as well as six and seven on her left side. That is some serious... That's a big impact. ...double side crushing. Mm. Because that's got that's to impact be... impact somewhere around the, just to the left of the sternum would do that. To get yeah, both because... your left and right. Sorry, we're, we're actually... You can actually... If you could see us, we're actually like... Yeah, because if there's quite a wide impact centred on the sternum, it would break the ribs from the centre. I suppose, yeah. So it doesn't have to be like but a I'm massive just, truck. I'm just trying to think of where the autopsy reports... When, you know, the little joint so, the little joint the little joint of the person with the little red circles i'm just trying to think trying to remember whether they were actually like on either side rather than at the front yeah the well, i still think you want a frontal impact and the width of the frontal impact will determine Can where the my, ribs sorry break. about my uh well, our oh so quiet chairs <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah so I think an imp a frontal impact would do that, and depending on how wide it was, that would Im that would determine where the ribs broke along their length. Okay. And for it to be second, third, fourth, that's quite high up. So that's actually more like it's kind of cla almost, almost towards more the clavicles, clavicle. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So two, three, and four, two, three, four, and five were broken on both sides, and six, seven on the left. I mean, that not not to run too far with this animal theory, but. If, for example, some kind of large creature... What, like a yeti? No, not a yeti. Why not? A proper creature. A real that creature actually that exists. actually exists. Some kind of scavenging creature sat on sat on a body's chest and levered force to pull, like to yank the tongue out of someone's mouth. That's where the force would be concentrated, would be there. However... Death of Dubinina was caused by massive hemorrhage into the right ventricle and multiple bilateral rib fractures and internal bleeding into the thoracic cavity. Oh, so that's right going in from the side, isn't yep. it? Yep, and it's also, if there's bleeding, and bearing in mind the low temperatures as well, that happened before she died. Yeah, that's... So that's that's I think that's a lot less likely because the tongue isn't recorded. There's not blood in her like in no. her throat or anything from the tongue being taken whilst it whilst the heart was still pumping. God, that we're this is this is grim, this isn't, is it? grim isn't yeah. it? <laughs> that feels like you could get that from a fall onto a branch or. But they're down at the bottom of a. And they've and they've there's been proof at this point that they had created this den. They've put things down. They've gone and collected things and put things down, and so it seems like everything they were okay and everything was fine until they were dead. Yeah. And that's what I think where it's very confusing. Well, it's certainly been confusing for me when I've been reading the reports because I've gone, well, you know, if this if something like this had happened, but then again. <sighs> In those kind of temperatures, do I don't know? Do injuries come out as quickly, or do you almost well, can you can you almost become like numbed to some of the? Ah, uh, yeah. Or I would mean, or did those or did uh, the other did the other gu the guys help her down the hill with a yeah. massive like chest injury and lay her down like make a den try and keep her warm. And she ends up, she dies, and she yeah. ends up kind of crawling out of the den and dying. Yeah, I mean that—that's the thing. This is this is one of my overall issues: is the temperature is going to play hell with accurate pathology reports. Yeah. yeah, of course it is. Which is possibly why there's so little. Yeah. Like actual 
sort of hard yeah. kind of detail like seriously detailed fact the fact that yeah or like i say there's just enough it's just enough anyway sorry sorry we i know we're going off we're going off off on a tangent that's here fine, about various things fine. but it's interesting yeah yeah and also it does lead into when we talk about the theories we can come back to some of this because well, we yeah, now I mean, know about is, it and we can kind of give our we've, we've got done the, background this is facts yeah straying into theory slightly but facts <laughs> and then it'll be theories okay uh more quote more quotage the said damage was probably caused by an impact of great force causing severe closed lethal trauma to the chest of dubinina the death of dubinina is through violence yeah so they're saying that's in and effect that's 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 the death. Yeah. That's what's killed. And her. when it says the death is by violence, what it means is it was a violent death. And yeah. not like somebody went at her. It yeah. was violence, like aggression from another human being. It means Death by trauma. Death by trauma. Yeah. yeah. And also, bear bear in mind, this is a translation as well. So it could well have actually meant that in the original Russian. Yeah, of course. Um, Semyon uh, Zolotaryov, again, apologies if I've got that wrong. His eyes were also missing and ribs two, three, four, five and six on his right side were broken. So whatever broke those ribs on both sides of Ludmilla... Mm -hmm. Broke the same ribs on Semyon's right side. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how. And there's. I'm been, trying to and kind there's, of. Well, there's some trauma into uh, the left side of the other person. There's trauma into the right side of Semyon, and there's trauma roughly centrally too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Keeping on quoting, the above mentioned multiple fractures of Zolotaryov's ribs with hemorrhaging into the pleural cavity were caused in vivo as an effect of a high power impact to the chest at the moment of his fall, squeezing or throwing. Okay. Zolotaryov died as a result of violence. Yeah, okay. So without going too much further then, that's three people who have either seem to have either fallen off something or be hit by something yes so rustam is kind of not at the cedars but a bit down mm-hmm. and has a head in head injury yeah and then further down in this den you've got these well you've got four yeah two of which we've talked about so far three. Oh no no i've only talked about ludmilla no. and semyon so far what about in the, the den. what about the one with the left side injury? That was that was Ludmilla. Oh, sorry. So and so it was Ludmilla. No tongue. Eyes missing. Ribs two, three, and four, five were broken on both sides as well as six and seven on her left. And then the person whose left side through the right ventricle. What? No. What are you? What have you? What podcast have you been listening to? So you've got the first four that were yeah. basically frozen yeah. to death. Then you've got Rustem, who died as a result of a fall and a head head injury. Yeah. Then you've got Ludmilla and Semyon. So you've got Ludmilla, who has no tongue, no eyes, the middle chest and the... Did I say left side? Yeah. Six and seven on the left. And then Semyon, who I'm just talking about now who has the injuries on the right side. Oh, right, okay. I, I must have come... I thought the injuries you were talking about with Ludmilla were... Ludmilla, the, the death was caused by massive hemorrhage into the right ventricle, multiple bilateral rib fractures and internal bleeding into the thoracic Sorry, cavity. Sorry, I thought there was two different people. No. Sorry, it's probably just my pronunciation. Nope, <laughs> same person, same person. The damage was probably caused by an impact of great force, causing severe closed lethal trauma to the chest of Dubinunia. Okay, can cut a bunch of that then of me not knowing what was going on. Oh, we could leave it in. Brilliant. <laughs> um, something else to note that is in the autopsy reports from the Den crew. Um, they all have something called bath skin, which is wrinkling of the extremities and kind of from being underwater which has meant that there's actually quite a lot of post-mortem changes and rotten decay as 
the ice has melted. So that's going to cause additional problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting to note that I haven't found... And again, these reports aren't exactly the most in-depth things. And maybe, maybe it was just assumed, but there is no mention of external bruising. Okay. So it's like so it says about these ribs being fractured and about bleeding into the into the pleural cavity and your the heart. It's interesting to note at this point from everything that I've read that there's no record of there being bruising. So we've got some serious injuries. We've got the cause of, you know, causes massive massive trauma like being hit by a moving vehicle. But nowhere in the reports does it say that there's external bleeding. It's all about internal injuries. Now, sort of external bruising, even. Yeah, I know I know what you mean. Yeah, so it could either be... I mean, it could be assumed, but that seems weird. You would have thought a pathology report should still mention contusion. Knowing how quickly a bruise comes up after, I'm even, after I've just, like, oh, yeah. bumped my shin, you would think that if a... If there was such huge impact to the chest, yeah, it, immediately as soon as there's as soon as there's broken blood vessels, which there would be, the bruising would be there. Yeah, I mean, so is, it, I, is it something to do with the temperature? But there's obviously been blood flow. Yeah, because the blood is because it's bled out, and your your internal body temperature is staying. It's not like it's your internal body is is freezing no, what I'm saying, no. it's like yes okay your internal body temperature is cooling down enough to cause your organs to shut down i assume yeah. in hypothermia but this isn't hypothermia it's entirely this, entire, is being this is being whacked by something so we can assume that yes yeah, she's probably caught but she's not hypothermic at this point mm. Because there's no mention of those Vishnewski lesions. There's no mention of that, which means that it wasn't through... Yeah. Death wasn't through freezing. Through freezing. No, death was through trauma. via yeah, trauma. Yeah. I nearly said via whacked. Via, via being whacked. Uh, so, yeah, that's, it's not mentioned. Okay, interesting. Interesting point. I don't know how... Like in those temperatures, how quickly bruising? No, no. I mean, it's, it's going to play hell with all manner of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. At that, at that low temperature. Two to go. Gotcha. Um, Alexander Kolevatov. The autopsy conclusions for Alexander are a bit sketchy, at best. Very, very reduced. So just hardly anything really. When I was looking through it, it was like right. Oh, okay. okay. We know his neck was broken. Uh, as well as possibly his nose. Based on the examination of the body, I think his death was the result of low temperature. And then there's a little bit of information about there being injuries appearing in the area of his head, there being bad skin. And then at the end it says, the cause of death of Kolevatov was through violence. But he's just said that death was through as a result of low temperature. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's just some shoddy record keeping, that, yeah, isn't it? It just doesn't that doesn't work for me. But in the inconsistency yeah, is fine. also feed is going to massively feed into that Goldilocks zone of It is, yeah. Whereas scientifically what that should mean is that we pay less attention mm-hmm. to Klevatov yeah. because we don't have the data. We don't have the data. But no. With it being the Goldilocks zone of conspiracy theorists, that means that's where a lot of focus is going to be of, why don't we know more? Mm. Okay, last one. And you deserve cake. Yay. Nope, not you. You guys. Well, you deserve I might, cake. I might still have cake. I'm oh. an adult. Okay, you are an adult. So go on, you can have some cake. We haven't got any cake, but you can have Brilliant. cake. The cake I'm talking about is a lie. So Nikolai Thibault Brignol, I think that's how it's pronounced. There don't appear to be many signs of injury to Nicholas, but what there is would have been enough to have caused death. He had a large fracture radiating out from an impact depression into his skull about nine by nine centimetres large. Big. That is pretty, pretty... Big and stone-sized. Yes, like a big old boulder. Like that. a big old boulder, where you land on it and then it fractures out. Quotey quote, 
It is my opinion that his death was the result of a closed, comminuted pressure fracture in the area of the base and the vault of the cranium, with a prolific amount of bleeding under the meninges and brain matter whilst under low temperature. The death of Thibaut Brignol was a result of violence. Okay. Okay. And the last thing before we get onto the theories, would you like to hear a nice big quote? about um, the official statement for closing the case. Go on then. Okay, so this is the official statement for closing the case given by the Junior Counselor of Justice and Criminal Prosecutor of Sverdlovsk, of the Sver... Sverdlovsk, okay. Okay, anyway, official statement. The deaths of the expedition members were due to a series of mistakes by Dyatlov. On the 1st of February, he began the ascent to the summit at 3pm, even though he knew about the difficulty of the terrain. Furthermore, and this was Dyatlov's next mistake, he chose a line 500 metres to the left of the planned pass that lies between peak 1079 and peak 880. So the group found themselves on the eastern slope of peak 1079. They used what was left of the daylight to ascend to the summit in strong winds, which are typical for this area, and low temperatures of minus 25 degrees centigrade. Dyatlov found himself in bad conditions for the night, so he decided to pinch his tents on the slope of 1079 so as to start in the morning without adding the distance from the forest, one kilometre, to the remaining trek of about 10 kilometres to the summit. Uh-huh. Considering the absence of external injuries to the bodies or signs of a fight, the presence of all the valuables of the group and also taking into account the conclusion of the medical examinations for the causes of deaths of the hikers, it is concluded that the cause of their demise was overwhelming force, which the hikers were not able to overcome. Wow, that's specific. Isn't it? Well, there you go. Ends of the facts. Facts. Facts done. And what a lot of facts there were in the end. Yeah, there were a lot of facts. And there's been a lot of lot of ploughing through Russian translations and various things. And I think we've pretty much, we've got a good, we've got, uh, we've a, good got a good solid, solid foundation. <laughs> yeah, we've got a solid foundation yeah. to move on to part three. 3C. Yeah, part 3C, in, in truth, because it'll be like episode five, won't it? Just oh yeah, deal of past three. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely. But anyway, would you like a little spoiler? Little spoileroo? Oh, a teaser. A little teaser. A part three teaser. Yeah. So in 2018, because of the amount of well, the number of theories that blamed the Russian government for what happened, the case was actually reopened, and the prosecutor's office were surprise, surprise, only allowed to test three theories. Wow. Those three theories were avalanche, snow slab, and hurricane. And in July 2020, the conclusions of the investigation was announced. Not going to tell you, though. Not going to tell you what they came up with. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I have every faith in a free and open inquiry in uh, in modern Russia. Let's, let me just, you know, as a little... Obviously, I'm not going to tell you what the conclusion of that report was but i will say as a little uh, extra teaseroo it's pretty much just led to more conspiracy chatter i am shocked in what way is uh, is the self perpetuating nature of conspiracy theories yes, at play i'm shocked here. to find out i think we also need to talk about your use of the word teaseroo as well but <laughs> i like I'm going to make it. I'm going to come up with even more of them. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm going to go and eat cake. Yeah. After all of that, after talking about missing tongues and eyes and autopsy reports for the past however wow, long. We're hardy. We're a, we are we're historians. We're archaeologists. Yeah, yeah. I used to. Bones. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. I don't know where you're going either. Um, Let's go before we just start well, rambling. No, I haven't finished yet. I'm sorry. Stop! Don't you push! Don't you be pushy. <laughs> um, Told. Yeah. Um, so yeah, eating cake, eating cake, and bleaching my mind of crime scene photographs and memory of autopsy reports. Joy. 
there. Um, so, yeah, Jim, do you have a good mental image of what was found? You know, theatre of the mind and all? Uh, yes, I, I feel like I do, despite the confusion where I thought two people, one person was two people, but I am now clear. At least... I'm ready. And let's be honest, and let's say let's be glad that they that one person hadn't become two people yes, I mean, <laughs> so the, it could have been worse we are, yeah we are thankful for that the, the left part was dismemberment this. <laughs> yeah so thank you very much for joining us on this part 3b uh episode four something something of the diapola pass incident as always don't forget that you can find this podcast on all of your favorite listening platforms so please yeah give us a comment and a five-star review if you enjoyed it it's the only way that others are going to find us because of the way that the system works you'd be doing us such a huge favor and we will be thanking you at the end of the next podcast for your help in making this happen so until the next time take care and keep being fascinated by those history mysteries Thank you.